It's time now for the complete story with Rich Bot, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here is Rich Bot with today's complete story. Friends, this is Rich Bot. Two weeks ago, I was in Philadelphia, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, for the President's Gathering of the American Bible Society. And I have to tell you, I came back so full of inspiration and excitement for what God is doing in our our time. I really believe that these are strategic days in which we live, and I was thrilled to see the ministry that the American Bible Society has, and on top of that, it's incredible history, and I met the new president. I say new president. He's been president since 2014, so I guess going on his third year as president and CEO of the American Bible Society, Dr. Roy Peterson, and Dr. Peterson is the guest of the the complete story today. Also in the studio is Evan Fowler. Welcome, Evan. Thank you, Rich. Good to be here. And Dr. Roy Peterson, welcome to the complete story. Thank you so much, Rich. It's great to be with you today. Now, your story, and we want to get to that first, because it's just amazing. You know, I believe that God uniquely prepares us for the work that he has called us to. Your story actually has, in its early days, being in a Mexican prison. And that's an amazing testimony. Can you tell us about that? Well, yeah, thank, thank you, Rich. You know, it's um, God's Word. I credit the power of the Bible to come into my life, transform my life, and, and set me on a completely different trajectory than the, the very negative one that landed me in a Mexican prison. It was, it was, uh, it was the English Bible that somebody brought me in, in, in prison in Mexico all around me was Spanish. The Bibles that some of the uh, believers had were in Spanish, which I could not understand. And somebody brought me an English Bible and, and, and the reading of God's Word. And that's why it's so relevant to the work of American Bible Society. I found out the power of God's Word at 19 years old in that Mexican prison. Amen. Well, th- I mean, this begs the question, um, how did you end up? How did you find yourself in a Mexican prison? Were you were you reared in a Christian home? Did you grow up in California? Or tell us about the circumstances. You know, in in the very first proverb, and we, your listeners all know that Proverbs is, is is the is the book of wisdom. And the very first proverb warns the reader to be very careful with the friends you choose. And if friends invite you to go do something evil, just say no to them. Just say no. The Bible taught us that phrase from thousands of years ago, the wisdom of Solomon, just say no. And I was making very poor choices as a 19-year-old. I, didn't, I was not a Christ follower. I was not raised in a, uh, in a Christian home. And I was choosing friends. I began to experiment uh, with uh, drug use in the early 1970s, and that led on a path of, of very poor decisions. Some friends that I met in Los Angeles uh, invited me on a weekend trip to Mexico, uh, which I uh, regrettably said yes to. Um, But the providence of God was to take that regret and turn it into joy. I am now thankful that I went on that trip because I found Christ in a Mexican prison. All right. Now, you shared this story with us there as we were gathered for the President's Gathering in Philadelphia at the American Bible Society. And it was a youth group that brought Bibles to the prison. And, and tell us about that. They did. They, they gave up their Saturday there in Southern California, and they traveled across the border with, uh, with songbooks, with guitars, 
and with Spanish Bibles, and they went into the prisons in, in Mexico across the border from San Diego and southward into Mexico, and they, they led worship in Spanish. Uh, they, these were young people who were bilingual, and they ministered in Spanish and led worship in Spanish. And they found me there, and I, and I pleaded with them to bring me a Bible in my language. And, you know, somebody was praying for me. Some, somebody went out of their way to come to Mexico, and somebody paid for that Bible because I, I was unable to pay for that Bible. But somebody made that Bible available in English, and they came back. They, brought, they came back another time and brought me an English Bible for me to be able to read. Well, Roy, I'm curious, how long were you in that prison, and how did you get out? I was, uh, I was uh, sentenced to upwards of uh, five years, and there were more charges coming. Um, it was pretty clear I could be there upwards of nine years, it looked like. And, um, and the hopelessness, Rick, Rich, the, um, the powerlessness, the shame of having, having made such poor choices. I was so broken, and, and I thought my life was in danger. I felt like my life was in danger in that prison, and I wondered, would I ever get out of here alive? And, and facing, facing death as a 19-year-old and then, and then having the Word of God offer me a new life, um, it, it, Jesus saying, I will, I, will, I will accept you and give you a new beginning. I thought, a new beginning? I could start anew. And I accepted Christ kneeling on that cold cement floor of that prison, and a miracle happened. Around month five, a judge found out that a, an attorney had stolen all my money and had not represented me in court, and a uh, federal court judge threw out all the charges and miraculously released me and encouraged me to head back to the border and head back to my home. But still, you were there for five months. Five months, and, and, I, and during that five months, and this is why the part of the story is important, I thought I was going to be there many years, and, that, and it's, that, it's that hopelessness of the human condition that many of us are, are not, you know, life in America can be so good that sometimes we don't realize our own frailties, our own brokenness, but I came face to face with the poverty of my own choices, and I found the richness of Christ. Mm. Now, you didn't speak the language. Didn't they call you the Grande Gringo? They did call me the Grande Gringo. I was so much, at six foot three, I was so much taller than everybody there, but there were two other prisoners, there were two prisoners who spoke English. Uh, one was a bilingual uh, member of the Mexican mafia who had been arrested, and the other was a professional uh, drug smuggler from Southern California who was not professional enough because he got caught. And uh, he, those two gentlemen spoke English, and they had come to Christ, and they invited me to read the Bible with them. Isn't that something? You know, the, the parable of the sower, the, the seed is spread, and uh, it depends on the condition of the soil, uh, whether it falls on, on stony, hard ground, or whether it falls on receptive soil. And sometimes a soil that has previously been hard and stony can be cultivated. It can be broken up and make made it uh, receptive to receive the seed, which is the Word of God. Yes. And, and that's what happened in your case. I think that that time uh, of brokenness is what the Lord used to make you receptive. And my, how he's used you tremendously since then. Uh, Thank you. Thank now, you now tell, us, tell us about how you began to get involved in ministry. I know it in, involves Wycliffe, which translates the Bible. 
Well, after I was set free, um, I fell in love with Rita. We were married, began to have a family. We're serving in the local church. We began to teach Sunday school. And I honestly, Rich, I think the children knew more than we knew about the Bible, but we we were obedient and began to teach uh, Sunday school. And we were growing in our own walk as we were teaching, growing in the Word, getting uh, founded in the Word. And we... Um, uh, we began to give. We began to tithe. We began to give to missionary work. And I was invited, we were invited as a couple to a missionary uh, banquet, and we learned all about Bible translation. And my wife and I were so drawn to it. We couldn't believe that there were people in the world that did not have the Scripture. And so this work of Bible translation and Bible distribution captured our hearts, and we volunteered to start serving and began began the journey. We were we were praying, we were giving, but then the Lord asked us. Now this won't happen to everybody. In many cases, giving and praying is our calling. But in our case, God asked us to actually go overseas as missionaries and to help the Bible cause cross culturally for people who had never had God's word. Now you volunteered your time and and your treasure for for quite a while while you were still in the business world. You were with uh, Florsheim uh, Corporation and American right. Greetings Corporation. That's right. And at the same time, we were also involved in some of these ministry endeavors. I was. You know, we we uh, we not only were teaching in in, in church. The pastor uh, asked us to get involved in the missions committee and helping the church's missions. We traveled cross-culturally as part of the uh, missionary effort while we were still in the business world, and we were learning about missions. And I became chairman of the missions committee in our church, and our, our church was very generous to missions causes, and, and I was being discipled. As a businessman, I was being discipled in God's great commission while I was serving, selling shoes and selling green cards. Mm. Now, then you became involved with uh, Wycliffe, which translates the Bible, Wycliffe Bible Translators. I know at Lake of the Ozarks, where we have a radio station, they have a, a, a language school that prepares people to go overseas into the mission field. My, uh, my cousin, Sherwood Patterson, was a missionary pilot with JARS, which is the, the Jungle Aviation and Radio Service uh, arm of Wycliffe. Right. But uh, you were with Wycliffe quite a number of years, and that is all about translating the Bible and getting it into the language of people that's many that have never had the Bible in their own heart language before that that what a joy it was to serve cross-culturally we lived in Quito Ecuador and we helped support I I used my administrative business experience and leadership there in Ecuador my wife at that time was a professional writer and photographer and she was capturing the stories of God at work in the Amazon jungle and in the Andean mountains amongst these minority people groups who had never had God's word in their language. And Wycliffe was helping to translate the Bible for these people groups who had never had God's word. We've spent many, many visits to the Amazon. We've been out to the Waurani tribe and some of the famous people groups of, of the Amazon. And the privilege of seeing God's word uh, go into those languages is some, it's a joy it's indelibly marked in our hearts. Well, Roy, you talked earlier in our conversation here about the fact that having a, a Bible in your own language, which of course is English and probably the most common language around the globe, but 
uh, that how important that was and how transforming that was to you. Wycliffe is all about doing that, as you've mentioned. Tell us a couple of stories. Give us a sense, since you were CEO uh, and president of Wycliffe and know all about its inner workings, but take us to one of those uh, places where people are working at, on a, a new translation. What's involved in that, especially for some of these languages that are not well known? There's a wonderful partnership going on globally uh, of all the major Bible agencies working together for these for these remaining languages, and there are still 1,600 languages, 1,600 languages that don't have one verse of Scripture yet. And we're launching, uh, American Bible Society, along with Wycliffe and the Seed Company, launching a, uh, a strategy to start every one of the remaining languages by the year 2025. And uh, to see those languages, first of all, they have to be reduced to writing. Many of these languages do not have an orthography or an alphabet. And so a writing system has to be created. And then the people who speak that language uh, are trained to translate the Bible from an original language or a national language into their, into their heart language, the language that they speak in their tribe or in their people group. And that, that translation project process, verse by verse, is then checked. Consultants come in and check it for accuracy to make sure God's Word is being honored and translated with incredible accuracy. And then verse by verse, it's shared with the people, with pastors, with churches, with evangelism. It can become, a, a, it can go into film to show the story of Jesus in video form. It can be recorded on, on, on audio devices or digitally. It can be broadcast on the radio like we're doing right now. Once it's translated, it's amazing all of the uses that, that can happen. And I'm, I'm thinking of the Waurani people. Many of your listeners might remember uh, the story in the 1950s, how the very first missionaries were martyred who made contact with this tribal group. And right. They, they, uh, they were known as the Alcas back then. They, back then they were known as the Alcas, which was, which was a very pejorative term. The name Alca actually means savage in a, in a related language. It's, it's a nasty term that referred to them as the Alca people. But once they came to Christ, they stopped killing the revenge killing stops. Secular anthropologists said nowhere on the earth has such a drastic change happened in any people group in such a short amount of time. They came to Christ and the killing stopped. And you know the the Waurani people or the Alcas, as you're remembering from the 1950s, the Waurani people heard about our Columbine killings in Colorado. They heard about Americans taking each other's lives, and they said they they heard that and they said. We need to come to America and share our story, because we've stopped killing each other. Why are Americans killing each other? Wow. Roy, you'd mentioned that there were uh, about 1,600 languages that still need to be translated, for which Bibles are still needed. How is technology uh, playing into the ability to, to get, get us to that point? Oh, the, well, it's a combination of, of technology and technique and strategy. So strategies have changed and technology added to and this combination of methodologies brought together and when i first got involved in bible translation it was quite common the waurani translation you know took 30 years um last year we had a translation of the new testament in zambia it took three and a half years and so in in my mind to think of those seven thousand verses of scripture taking 30 years to be translated and now we're seeing an entire New Testament 
translated, checked for accuracy, and printed in three and a half years. Wow. That is, that is a tenfold uh, decrease in time that we're watching God's, uh, uh, the Church, accelerating Bible translation. This is Rich once again, and uh, Dr. Roy Peterson is our guest on today's Complete Story broadcast, and we're talking about the American Bible Society, where I was just two weeks ago in Philadelphia. And, uh, Roy, I have to tell you that I was just thrilled because there was so much history and heritage uh, about the American Bible Society that I did not know. And then to see the ministry that you're having today and the plans for the future, it was just really overwhelming to me. But tell our listeners about the history. This goes back 201 years when there was a variety of different Bible societies, and then they came together. Tell us about that history. Yeah, you know, as Americans, we think of the 48 contiguous states, and we think of America as being from shore to shore. And we have to stop for a moment and remember that, uh, you know, at, at the time that American Bible Society was formed, America was just on the East Coast, and and the Bible societies of that day were just on the East Coast in Philadelphia, New York, Boston, uh, Delaware, um, and our country began to rapidly grow westward. And men and women of, of the Word of God, men, men and women who loved their country, many of them were leaders uh, like John Quincy Adams and Francis Scott Key and the, the president of the Continental Congress, Elias Boudinot, uh, these these men and women they saw that the nation needed a Bible society that wasn't just a local small city regional, but we needed a Bible society that would focus on the entire rapidly growing nation. So they came together in 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 on the East Coast. Twenty eight different Bible societies came together and, and they agreed. Yes, we need a national Bible society that will care about this rapidly growing country. And on May 11th, 1816, 201 years ago, just like you said, Rich, you have a great memory, 201 years ago they formed American Bible Society. And in the, in the bylaws, we were to be concerned that the scriptures would get in the hands of every single American and also every person in the world. And so the mandate from our founders was both a national mandate and a global mandate. And they actually quoted Habakkuk 2.14, that the earth would be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And that's the same mission that you have today. You all have been faithful to that calling, and that's what has made the American Bible Society so wonderful. If people want to support the work that you're doing, is there a website, or how can they get in touch with American Bible Society? Yeah, thank you so much. American.Bible, uh, American.Bible is, is so easy to find, and many, many people today are giving us current gifts. And by the way, 100% of your current gift goes to the designated project. Because of the legacy giving of, of, of people over 200 years, we can now designate someone's current giving 100% to the project, if it's a translation project, or if it's scripture for the military, or Bibles for China, 100% goes. The other way people are excited about uh, the 200-year legacy is to put American Bible Society in their will in a state, and that money is put to work immediately for the cause of the Bible movement around the world. And so that's another way that your listeners can consider is to think about your will, your legacy, your testament, and, and what organizations are positioned to serve your 
your spiritual desires for our nation and for our world. Now, as, as I was there with you in Philadelphia, which is where your headquarters is, right there on Independence Mall, where you have, uh, where, the, where they came up with the Declaration of Independence and what, where they signed the Constitution of the United States of America. And then there's the Liberty Bell. Right there on that same mall, you are creating the Faith and Liberty Discovery Center to highlight the third document, which really underpins the other two, and that's the Bible. And uh, I just want to commend you for that. Tell us about that. So imagine, imagine the influence in the hearts and minds of our founders, William Penn coming to Philadelphia and wanting to establish a place for religious freedom where people would not be persecuted for their faith. Imagine the biblical inspiration that was in the hearts of, of these men and women to create a city, city of brotherly love where it would be safe to worship God and, and to live for Him and pray and, 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 and make your life count for Him. And that, that heritage is right here in our midst. The story of America is a story that's rooted in the Bible. If you look at the values and the concepts of our Declaration of Independence or our Constitution, the, anyone who has eyes to see it can see the Scripture is indelibly marked on those documents. And so as you're standing at our, at our building here on Independence Mall, you look to your left, and there's Independence Hall where the Declaration of Independence was written. You look to your right is Constitution Hall where the Constitution is celebrated and honored. And straight across from our building is the Liberty Bell that literally has the Scripture engraved on it. Leviticus 25.10 is on the Liberty Bell to let freedom ring throughout the land to all the inhabitants thereof. That is on the Liberty Bell, on our nation's Independence Mall, the most historic square mile in our nation, is right outside the doors of American Bible Society. So our Faith and Liberty Discovery Center wants to recapture that story, because guess what? Millions of people are coming here every year, and they're not hearing the story of the Scripture. They're not getting a worldview that includes the Bible. And so this is a very strategic investment to say we need to tell the story, someone has to tell the story, that the Bible belongs in the narrative of this great country's history, and it belongs in our narrative today and in the future. So we're, we're building that right now, and we invite your, your listeners to pray about uh, their involvement. We're, we're uh, raising funds for it right now to open the doors in 2018. That's right. Give that website again, because it, it, it's not a .com or .org, it's, it's a .bible. Well, there's a brand. There's a brand new. Uh, that's right. It's a brand new uh, landing site on the web, and, and American Bible Society was able to cure it, uh, secure it. It's dot Bible, and so it's a it's a it's a brand new address that's just become available this year, and over about a five year process, we were able to secure it. It's American dot Bible. That's wonderful. You know, uh, Roy, the reason I am so excited about this is because I believe we are living in strategic days. I've always heard that every major revival is preceded by a movement of prayer, and we're seeing that today, the prayer movements all across our land. It's so heartening. Yeah. And then the next thing is the bold proclamation of the Word of God, yeah. and we're starting to see that as well. And I think what you all are doing with the American Bible Society, you've been in that space for 201 years, and you're actually doing more than ever before, and it's so exciting. I just believe that God is moving. Amen. Yes, we, we, we see the providential 
move of God, the wind of his spirit, the favor that he has on our organization. And you know, he doesn't do anything for, with, without a purpose. He is, our, our God is so intentional, and that favor that we're experiencing and the wind that he's blowing into our sails, giving us amazing advance and getting the scriptures out. And one of our major strategies today, Rich, is, is a digital strategy to get the word out where people are living, which is online. Yes. You know, people have questions, people have struggles, and who do they turn to? They're turning to Google for their answers. And, and they'll tell Google things that they won't even tell their spouse. And, and so they're looking for answers. And what we're, in do, what we're doing right now, Rich, is we're inserting the Word of God into that space. So some of the, when they Google for an answer to a life, um, one of the major life issues in America, the very carefully chosen scripture is going to pop up for them to engage with God's Word about the very issue that they're asking. And, and they can read all about this on your website. Is that what's called Project Magellan? Yes, and on the website, they'll actually see it as Look Inside, the, okay. the brand. We called it Project Magellan while we were in the creation phase, and so you have a wonderful memory. <laughs> but to the public, it's actually, they'll see the words lookinside.bible. All right, Inside. now tell us, because we're running out of time, but I'm really excited about Project Ignition. <laughs> and uh, tell, tell us about that, because I believe Kansas City is one of the uh, strategic it cities it in this. Yeah, yeah so... so so Look Inside is a digital strategy. Project Ignition is to work with the local church to connect with these people who are, who are connecting with us online. So somebody in Kansas City connects with us online, they get an answer, they find an answer in God's Word, they decide to read God's Word more, and the next thing you want, they're going to be asking, who can I connect with in Kansas City? So Project Ignition is to work on this in the city to get the city ready for these thousands of people who are going to want to have fellowship with somebody around the Word of God that they've just discovered online. Yes, and there is a, there's a citywide uh, coordinator or uh, mobilizer for this. Right. I think That's it's right. Eric Rochester. That's right. He's based in Kansas City, and he's working with the local church there to get Kansas City ready for what's about to happen. Well, anyway, the work of the American Bible Society extends around the world, and we're so excited about what you're doing, because I believe this is uh, part of what God is doing in our day. And uh, Roy Peterson, the president of the American Bible Society, and the American Bible Society has three pillars. Tell us those three pillars very quickly. First one is Transform America, which we've made the focus of our, of our uh, radio talk today, Transform America. The second one is trauma healing to the wounded heart. God's Word will actually speak to the wounded heart, and that, that's our tra Scripture-based trauma healing. And the third is translation, and you mentioned that at the beginning. We talked about the 1,600 languages that still need God's Word. So Transform America, trauma healing, and translation. And Chief Justice John Jay was one. Was it the first or the second president of the American Bible Society? Is that right? He was the first Supreme Court justice, Chief Justice, and he was the second president of American Bible Society. Such That's a right. rich history, such a rich history that is is so blessed with its continuing faithfulness into our generation for such a time as this. Thank you, thank you so much. We 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 see it as a as a continuation. When I read the words of our founder 200 years ago, it is just as relevant. It's just as compelling. And we're on mission, just like they were in 1816, to see this country and our world covered 
and impacted by the Word of God. Roy, in about 30 seconds, tell us briefly about Set Free, the book that has just come out. Well, it, it, like I said, it's my story. It's a story of God's Word. It's a God story of His Word changing somebody's broken life. And I think parents who may be praying for a loved one, for a, a son or a daughter, and you may be tempted to give up right now, I think parents find a lot of hope in my story of brokenness. The other, the other people who may feel disqualified or they may feel unqualified that God could never use them, I'd like them to read my story because many people have said when they saw that God could use me, it gave, gave them courage that God could, God could use their lives also. And that's available on your website, American.Bible. Slash set free. American.Bible backslash set free. And all the proceeds from this book, 100% of the proceeds, will go to the Ngobi People Group in, South, in Central America to their translation project. Dr. Roy Peterson has been our guest on The Complete Story. Dr. Peterson, thank you for your faithfulness through these years. It's so exciting to see how God uniquely prepared you for the service that he has for you. And he has a service for each one of us, and we need to make sure that we're aggressively fulfilling that purpose in our lives. Amen. Thank you for listening, folks. This is Rich Bott with Evan Fowler and Dr. Roy Peterson. We'll catch you next time.